Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast, Week One Edition. I'm your host, Alex, joined by my co-host, Holt Smash. What's up? Alex, how's it going, man? Dude, doing all right, man. I'm excited for college football for the first week. What about you, JB? You excited for football this week? Absolutely, man. And we uh, got ourselves a new TV that we're going to mount above the current TV we have in the living room. So we're going to have a little mini Buffalo Wild Wings in our living room. How big is the new TV? 55 inches, the same as our current living room TV. So we got 110 inches between the two of them. <laughs> so you're still talking about TV? Yes. <laughs> well, what? What? <laughs> um, yeah, I think you just got that. What? Um, are you going to have like another um, like ATT universe hooked up through that uh, new TV? Yeah, we got ourselves another cable box, wireless cable box. It won't be here about Saturday, but. I mean, we can, you know, bring another wireless box from one of our rooms into the, you know, to plug in, or we could just use, you know, you know, streaming services for the new TV if we have to this Saturday. But regardless, I mean, we'll be able to watch multiple games, and we still have other TVs lying around here too that we can bring in the living area. Maybe go to like three or four TVs. Was this a pure football move for the household? Yes, it was. Um, I just been thinking about it a lot lately, and I was like. Um, you know, the setup last year was good, but I feel like it could have been way better. And, um, you know, TVs really aren't that expensive anymore. So I was just like, you know what? Like, screw it. I'm, you know, I got my, uh, I actually didn't tell you all this yet, but, uh, I got my season ticket money back from Mississippi State. Um, they actually were going to let me go to the games, but the rest of my group didn't want to go because we couldn't tailgate. So I ended up getting a refund. So I decided to use that money on a TV since I'm going to be watching all the games from home this year. Nice. So, um, what uh so you're gonna have two tvs are you gonna add has still have a third tv in there as well yeah i mean we we have um we got like three spare tvs around here that we could use if we wanted yeah. to i i started since i started working from home i used uh, one of our smaller tvs as like a second monitor for my laptop um just because i like to have two monitors for work but um you know we have another one laying around and then you know i mean we could always figure something else out if we needed to but um there's definitely going to be plenty of football going on in our living room this year. Well, as the chief financial officer of SEC Slow Smokes, I approve of this business expense for the second TV. I, I kind of like that idea. Yeah. Well, I'm waiting for my uh, reimbursement check in the mail, Alex. So you just yeah, know it's when coming. I... It's coming. Toyota just sent me two dollars. Hey, even though Holt, even though Holt has a football move, like I honestly believe every living room, you know, that's a, you know an avid sports fan should have two big screen TVs set up. I mean, I think once we do this, 
we're never going to look back and we're always going to want this. Yeah, I don't I don't know like um I know it's a football move and like it's nice to have two TVs. I just wonder when you um when you grow out of the the frat house there and move into the wife and kids, I wonder how much that'll be approved of if, or if like like cuz you still have to like make sure that the living room looks good and I don't know if like that is that falls under that category or not. No, I mean if, if in the eyes of a woman it's not going to look good. It's going to look like a man cave, but in the eyes of a man, we don't care what the living room looks like. We just want the TVs. Yeah. All right. So there is football this week. Um, no SEC games, knock on wood, as of today have been postponed or canceled. So I'm excited about that. Holt, did you see that Houston was canceled for the third straight week? I feel kind of bad for them. Yeah, I do too. Um they just really can't catch a break. Um, but the good thing for Dana Holgerson is uh, he can just like redshirt his whole team and then maybe I'll transfer to Miami. Yeah, I was I was just thinking about that as I saw um, whatever his name is, King, playing for Miami the other night on TV. And I was wondering like how that all played out because the whole logic was he was supposed to come back. And he even said like he wasn't transferring and he ended up transferring. Did you know that uh, – Tate Martell also opted out of Miami. So, like, I guess he's going to come to Memphis pretty soon and try to be the quarterback there. Yeah, I'm anxious to see how many more transfers he's got in him. Yeah, I know. He's, he's definitely trying to break the record there. I mean, I think at this point he's got more transfers than starts. I'm pretty sure. Uh, zero starts, right? I don't remember. Um, I know they moved him to receiver. I don't know if he ever actually started a game or not. Um, but this is, like, what is – this is going to be, like, his four school – and then I think he decommitted a couple of times too. So just a uh, just a wild uh, college college football experience without a lot of uh, production. Yeah, we will break down all seven SEC games this week with predictions and give you the uh, uh, our prediction on if you want to bet the the line. Uh, we also talk about some other out of conference or non SEC games as well. Um, don't know if y'all know, but I actually won't be able to watch as much football this week as I would like. I have weddings to go to this week. And, Jebby, what is the number one rule for weddings? You cannot have a fall wedding on a fall Saturday. Yeah, but in fairness, I did get the breakdown that one of these weddings. I have one on Saturday and Sunday. One of the weddings, they um, rescheduled, and they rescheduled – they scheduled it and thinking that there wouldn't be any football because, like, they're big Georgia fans. They end up scheduling it on uh, obviously the first week of SEC football. At least Georgia's playing Arkansas, but um, it did not work out for them. But maybe one day the whole world will catch on for no college football or no fall weddings on a Saturday, but um, not for me this Saturday. I'll get to watch probably just a little bit of games. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Isn't it? What? That is such a bummer. Opening weekend of SEC football, and you can't even really truly enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can really kind of tell myself is, like, there's obviously – there's a lot of games, but there's nothing – I mean, there's games I'm excited about, but, like, it could have been a worse week, I guess is what I'm saying, like, as far as the good, really good games go. It's still opening weekend, though, and that's – the opening weekend's always special. Even if all the games are crappy, it's still just – it, it's back you know that's that feeling you know that that special feeling you can't replicate in the other weeks a lot of times jb just curious what would you do if you got invited to a wedding and it's not like not me 
not my wedding, but like a friend that like you're not necessarily super close, but you are kind of, you're still friends with him. Would you just say like, sorry, bro, I should have had it on a Friday or Sunday, but I can't do this on Saturday. Um, that's tough. It depends who it is, but more than likely, I would have a uh, a pretty good excuse, you know, lined up. If... <laughs> not football excuse, but some other excuse. I'd come up with something. Maybe you know I can't afford to make the travel. Well, now you, now you can just say COVID. So like that's that's like a general <laughs> excuse. So that's fine. Debbie, uh, while I got you on the line here, tell me which SEC game are you most excited for this week? Uh, the one I'm most excited for is Kentucky Auburn. I'm really excited about this game. Uh, I mean Kentucky and Auburn to me. I mean a lot of people you know are really high on Auburn. I'm not as high on Auburn as a lot of people are. But I think that this game is really on paper, fairly evenly matched. Uh, Kentucky has really done a really good job the last few years closing the talent gap. But also just they're a, a stable program. And, you know, I'm excited to see Terry Wilson back. Uh, we're still waiting to hear if, you know, if Joey Gatewood's going to be eligible. But see Terry Wilson again for sure. I mean, I, I really want to see Terry Wilson play. I mean, you know, he's he, he got injured you know, early last year and, you know, they, Mark Stoops had to change his offense, you know, with Lynn putting Lynn Bowden at quarterback after the backup quarterback, Sawyer Smith, went down as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see this game. You know, Auburn replaces everybody pretty much on their offensive and defensive lines. They're at home, but it's only 25% capacity, so not really much of home field. I mean, this game, to me, is evenly matched, and a lot of people don't realize it. Tell me why, JB, if this is your SEC game of the week, why is this – uh, scheduled for noon Eastern at SEC Network. That, to me, is because these two teams are not, like, the highest marquee teams. I mean, I think it's the best game on paper, but, you know, I don't think a lot of TV executives look at it that way. They look about who's going to bring in the higher ratings, and LSU and Alabama and Georgia collectively are going to bring in the highest ratings on opening weekend because people want to see, you know, the defending champs and also the title contenders, you know, for that upcoming season. So that – that, to me, is what TV executives look for, especially in week one, you know, coming from we had to deal with last year and, you know, this year. I want to think it's too too soon to ask for a bold prediction for week one SEC, but can you give me your breakout player this week or SEC player of the week? It can be offense or defense if you really like to go that way. Hmm. Well, let's see. I haven't uh... – you know, I didn't know that question was coming beforehand, so I actually do have to think about it for a second. Um, I mean, honestly, it could be a coach if you want to. If you want to, yeah. I mean, you, I feel like you could always say someone at Alabama. Uh, I feel like that could always be um, just like an easy uh, cop out answer. Um, so I don't want to do that, but I, I do expect uh, Kyle Trask to have a big game this week um, against Ole Miss. Um, you know, I think Florida really wants to come out and prove that uh, they're for real this year. And, uh, you know, Ole Miss's defense is very suspect. Um, they've had a lot of players out with, you know, COVID, and they haven't been able to practice um, as much as, you know, usually a team would um, or with as many players um, at practice. So I really have some questions about uh, Ole Miss's defense this year, and uh, I think Kyle Dress is going to have a big game week one. Do you think, Holt, that there's a chance that Arkansas will get beat up so much in the trenches against Georgia that Sam Pittman will step in and be offensive lineman for a little bit? They may have to. Um, and you know what? He might have been their best player last year. Well, what about this year, though? Well, that's what I'm saying. Is like, I mean, last, oh, last year he was the best player. Best, 
you haven't seen Arkansas play this year, so that's off of. But uh, yeah, I mean, I um, I don't actually think that's going to happen. But um, you know that that being said, Arkansas definitely has a long way to go, and the SEC didn't do him any favors by scheduling Georgia Week One. And I'm just going to kind of dance around the games, and then we'll get to the predictions here shortly. But just look at some of the other games. Um, JB, this is, this is a uh, week one special question for you specifically. And, you know, I'm going to ask you about Tennessee here playing South Carolina. Um, high hopes for Tennessee this year, um, co- coming off like the way they finished last year. But uh, we've been talking in the last couple of weeks about how Tennessee started off uh, week one last year against uh, Georgia State losing and just kind of embarrassing loss and not, not a great look for Tennessee as a program. Do you think this year – they can start off this year a lot better with, um, I want to say a win at South Carolina. I think they should win, but you think they'll look good in doing so? I know it's well, must jump special, so not not typically a great game to watch. But just wondering what your takeaway is for this Tennessee on Week One. Yeah, I mean this is a must win for Tennessee in my opinion in Week One. I mean, uh, I mean it's it's really you know cliche to say it, but in, in all truthfulness, it is because. They can't afford to stumble out of the gate. Uh, they need to win this week, and they need to win the following week because, I mean, they still got to play uh, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, and Florida, you know, coming up on, in A&M on their schedule. So, I mean, and lose, you know, this game against South Carolina, that means they're going to have to win, uh, you know, one of those five that are tough for sure and then win all the, the rest of the games they're supposed to win. In order to you know be five and five and finish five hundred, which is a tall task. I mean, I think Tennessee's more than capable of winning one of those five. But I mean, I think this game this is has the tendency to probably be an ugly game. Uh, just one we don't know what to expect from Tennessee's offense. And Will Muschamp, you know, is usually one of those that wants to keep a game close. Uh, you know, low scoring. Uh, you know, not very pretty. It's, one thing I'm curious to see is uh, Colin Hill, you know, making his first start for South Carolina. You know, he's had three torn ACLs throughout his uh, career, which is astonishing to me that he's able to, you know, come back. Uh, he played at Colorado State last year with Mike Bobo, so he's an experienced guy in that system. So that's going to be fun for fun for me to see, you know, how does he transition, you know, going from Colorado State to playing in the SEC against a really solid defense. and. That to me is going to be one of the biggest matchups. I'm I'm surprised that Colin Hill got the start over Ryan Olinsky because uh, we know Ryan Olinsky was uh, the starter last year and he wasn't like horrible. Um, you would think he would kind of get the nod, but I guess you bring in grad transfers for a reason. Yeah, I mean it's similar to me. Um, another similarity for me is uh, Joe Moorhead bringing in Tommy Stevens who he coached at Penn State, uh, you know, someone that already knew his system. And that's really what's happening. He'll, he may not necessarily be the better quarterback than Helensky, but Bobo trusts this guy because he coached him. And yeah. I think eventually Helensky can supplant him, you know, once uh, Bobo is more, uh, you know, comfortable with him. I mean, Helensky definitely is a high potential talent, you know, and, you know, Colin is going to be more of the, uh, you know, the stable guy that you can probably rely on early in the season, especially with minimal training camp. Oh, we have three SEC blowout games, what should be blowout games. Uh, Georgia, Arkansas, Alabama, Missouri, and Vanderbilt A&M. Out of those three, um, which team do you think gets blown out the most? And which team 
which losing team looks the best or at least has the most to uh, be proud of or I guess the most respect and dignity left after this first week? Yeah, you know, I would probably say uh, – I'd probably surprise you. I'd probably say uh, I'm going to get beat the worst. Um, I think Texas A&M, um, you know, obviously they have the most to prove, I think, out of those three teams. And I um, also think Vanderbilt is the worst of those of the three teams that you're expecting to get blown out. Um, Vanderbilt has a really real shot to uh, not win a game this year. Um, I think that offensively they're just really going to be bad. Um, and I expect uh, A&M to play really good. And then, you know, when you look at Arkansas, uh, Georgia, you know, obviously Sam Pittman coming from Georgia has a lot of experience with Georgia. Georgia lost a lot of players. Um, and, you know, Kendall Browse has shown that he can turn some offenses around pretty quick. Obviously, Burke, the receiver, um, big player. Felipe Frank has a lot of ACC experience. And Rakeem Boyd, you know, maybe the most underrated player in the conference. So, uh you know, I think that would probably be maybe the closest one. Uh, but you got to watch out for Missouri, too. I mean, they, even though they weren't great last year, they did have a really good defense. Um, so I do expect their defense to be pretty stout. But um, I'm going to say that Arkansas keeps it the closest and Vanderbilt gets beat the worst. And uh, what I'll add to that uh, hold about Arkansas specifically is I feel like, you know, Arkansas fans have been – kind of beaten up over the past couple of years with what the way their teams have looked. Um, so I think even if they end up losing by 40, I, I feel like they're going to find some kind of positive spin on a 40 point loss to Georgia. Like, well, it's, it's our first year coach and it was Georgia. I mean, it's okay to lose by a lot, but like, Hey, we, um, we got like four first, first downs. So I think that's good. Yeah. I, and I, who knows, maybe Felipe Franks will hit a couple of deep balls. Maybe, Georgia's offense will kind of struggle to get going. And I really do like, you know, both of the coordinators that Sam Pittman hired, obviously Barry Odom on the defensive side, Kendall Browse on the offensive side. You know, maybe they could have a little, um, you know, a little poor man's LSU going with uh, with him playing that Orgeron role. Oh, are you going – I know you're the, you're the betting man of the group. Oh, I guess I kind of am too, but not um... – I'm not serious, and I guess you're not serious either, but, like, I just do it for, like, more low stakes, like, $1 or $2 games for, like, every single game just to make it fun for Saturday. I don't know if you had a chance to look at any of the lines or the over-unders for the week. Do you have a game that you're most confident in betting on this week? I mean, it's hard to say that I'm really confident in anything this year, especially the first couple weeks of the season, but I do feel pretty good about Tennessee covering the three-and-a-half versus South Carolina and the only reason I say that is because I'm really concerned about South Carolina's offense. I just don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I, I, you know, the quarterback, you know, yeah, he's got some experience from Colorado State, but he wasn't explosive there. You know, he was some great quarterback. Um, I was, you know, to go on what you said earlier, really surprised that he was, you know, going to win the job. Mike Bobo's been in the SEC before, but, you know, <laughs> drew a lot of criticism in his time. Uh, now, granted, that was from Georgia fans who complained about pretty much everything. But, um, you know, he's not exactly uh, Mr. Innovative Offensive Mind. Uh, and I just, you know, I just worry about their offense. I'm, you know, obviously the, the running back got hurt. Um, and you just don't – I don't know what they're going to do to Tennessee's defense that they're not ready for. And, uh, you know, not that so much that I expect Tennessee to be great on offense either – but I just don't know how South Carolina is going to be able to put up points on the board. 
Yeah, um, I know both teams. I mean, Tennessee is supposed to be a lot better than they were last year. Kind of like continue the uptrend from last year. But uh, I'm not super high on South Carolina, but I am interested to see how they start off the year in a potential last year for Will Muschamp, see if they fight for him or what what happens. But I'm I'm more interested in that game than I would normally be um, in a given year between Tennessee and South Carolina. Um, JB, I know you're not a betting man, but um, if I were to tell you the line for Kentucky and Auburn is Auburn seven and a half, would you take Kentucky on that? I feel like this is something that you feel very strongly about. Yeah, I would pick Kentucky to cover that seven and a half point line. Would you like to add any <laughs> detail well, or elaboration to that? You'll have to. We'll find out more, you know, later in the podcast when we make our picks. Because uh, I guess I can go ahead and just make this a little yeah, short. Yeah, just go go ahead and go ahead and. Well, I mean, because well, I'm gonna kind of pick off each game slowly here. Um, so if you just kind of want to break down this game, I know you said something earlier about this, but just go ahead and break down the game and we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. So the biggest thing for me in this game, like I elaborated earlier is that, uh, Kentucky, like there's one of their main strengths is on the line of scrimmage. And that to me is a, a big selling point in me and trying to sell people that this game is a lot closer than what a lot of people are expecting. A lot of people just want to overlook Kentucky. People are just thinking Auburn's just going to be, you know, elite this year. I'm not buying it. I mean, I, I don't think Auburn's going to be bad, but I think uh, that Kentucky's a lot closer to Auburn than people think. And Auburn lost, you know, pretty much everyone on the offensive line and the defensive line. And I really think that uh, Kentucky's going to win the line of scrimmage, especially on offense. And they're going to be able to, uh, you know, keep Auburn's defense on the field. And, I, I mean, I expect Terry Wilson to be a really leader, you know, as a quarterback in this game. I mean, he's got a lot to prove, and he's antsy to get back out there. I mean, I don't think Gatewood is going to – he may he may or may not get approved, you know, before this weekend. But if he does get to play, then, you know, he'll have a chip on his shoulder too if he gets to play a few snaps. But that's amazing. But also, uh, Kentucky's secondary is uh, really uh, stout too. I mean, of course, a couple of years ago they had a really good secondary that was experienced. Uh, they've now re- rebuilt it, got some experience there. And I expect their secondary to uh, give Auburn's uh, receivers fits and – I mean, Kentucky's had some pretty good defenses the last few years. I don't expect it to be any different. I mean, to me, it's just a bad first matchup for Auburn. And I think, you know, Kentucky's going to be highly motivated. Uh, I don't think this is right, but on ESPN, it does say tickets as, as low as $1,111 for this game. I know there's limited capacity, but I still doubt that somebody's going to pay $1,000 or people are selling the tickets for a thousand dollars that's the cheapest ticket you can find for Auburn Kentucky yeah I looked on StubHub yesterday for the Kentucky Auburn game and I found nothing so this was probably a maybe a different uh, platform maybe like vivid seats or something but I mean get tickets this year a lot of these games are coming at a premium price I mean because you know supply and demand and with only 25,000 seats and 100,000 seats stadium hypothetically uh, seats are definitely going to be you know charged at a premium for people on the secondary market. Debbie, did you go as far as to picking Kentucky to win this game, or are you trying to like hold off for the end of the podcast? I, I was just going to go ahead and uh, pick your winners and losers as well as the line. If you, um, I was going to hold off for the end of the podcast, if that's okay. Okay, that's fine. We we we'll just run through. I know how college game day likes you know sometimes occasionally throw a pick here and there like before they do the picks at the end, but I kind of rather hold the suspense here. Okay, yeah, um, I'm getting well, I'm get, get a little nervous myself. Um, all right, so you have that game on at noon as well as the Florida Ole Miss game on 
at noon as well. Holt, which of your two TVs will have, I guess, is there a main TV? Is there an A and B TV? I guess there is because of the cable box issue right now, right? The main TV is probably going to be the one on the bottom. The secondary TV would be the one on top, I think. Thanks, Holt. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So uh, the other game at that time is Florida Ole Miss. Um, I think I've asked this probably like five or ten different times over the year years but when you watch for uh, Ole Miss play are you just like the biggest fan of the other team but I, I I would say that but I guess this is also Dan Mullen coach Florida team so I guess you hate both teams right now um yeah I mean generally I pull against Ole Miss but I mean not to be mean or anything but they've been so bad the last few years like I haven't really cared um you know obviously when he freeze was there back in like you know 13 to like 16 that time period very much uh, rooting against Ole Miss, uh, no matter who they played. Um, you know, nowadays I don't really care as much because uh, they really haven't been that good of a team. It doesn't really it really affect me like one way or the other. Uh, but if if Lane Kiffin gets him turned around, or if he starts, you know, talking a bunch of crap, then maybe start rooting against him again. But I mean, honestly, like if if Florida, you know, loses. I would definitely, uh, I would definitely be happy. I, I'm, I just decided I'm going to be happy knowing that one of these two teams is going to lose. Yeah, I guess so. Um, that that is a good feeling that you'll win either way. <laughs> once once one of your team loses, uh, hold or which, I mean, I, I probably know the answer to this, but I guess if you can talk about Ole Miss offense as well. But um, are you? I'm assuming you're more excited to watch Mississippi State's offense and Ole Miss's offense play this year. But are are you? Just as curious about Ole Miss's offense under Lane Kiffin as you are about uh, State's offense under Mike Leach. Uh, I mean, just from like afar, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see Ole Miss's offense this year. <laughs> you know, um, Corral was really highly recruited, but we haven't really seen it. Uh, tra- you know, translate to the field quite yet, uh, and they got some really explosive receivers. But you know, the player I'm most excited about was actually my breakout player um, on our last podcast for the season. That's Jerry Neely, the running back. Um, very explosive player, uh, very good running back. And uh, you know, Lane Kiffin has had a lot of success with his running backs the last few years, even though he gets a, a lot of credit for his what he does in the passing game. His running backs have been really productive. So um, I expect him to be kind of the, the focal point of the offense this year. And uh, with those pieces that they got, um, you know, Elijah Moore, Jonathan Mingo, and uh, a few other guys out wide, um, they have an opportunity to have a pretty good offense this year. And then, you know, obviously they're going to mix in – uh, Plumley as well. Um, a lot of people are expecting him to start, but he's he's most likely not going to be the starting quarterback. It's probably going to be Corral, so they're going to have to mix in Plumley, um, either some at like receiver or maybe like a Wildcat type quarterback. But it looks like Corral is going to be the starter. Do you expect uh, Colin Hill to get less rushes this year, but almost the same amount of yards because it's a pass heavy offense? Yeah, I mean, if you look at uh, Mike Leach the past few years, um, he does like to get the running backs very much involved in the passing game. Um, so I definitely expect Colin Hill to uh, take a step back in the you know rushes and rushing yardage from where he was a season ago. But I definitely expect the receiving game, uh, you know, yardage to go way up. You know, Max Borgie, Washington State running back, had over sixteen hundred yards from scrimmage last year. Nobody talks about that. I didn't even know about that. Yeah, so he he's a, a really good player. Um, 
you know, and I think Colin Hill possesses some of those same uh, abilities. Um, you know, I, I just from keeping up with the practice notes and everything, Colin Hill is supposedly one of the better route runners on the team and has some of the better hands on the team, um, including all the receivers. So um, definitely expect a big year out of him. But the the one thing that holds me back a little bit is actually um, uh, they have a freshman running back, uh, Jadavian Mar- I, I can't pronounce his first name, but his last name is Marks. Um, I think once his first name is like Jadavian or, or something like something with a J. But uh, he's from Atlanta, and he's really been showing out in practice. He was a four-star running back, um, and they're saying that he's probably going to get a lot of playing time, maybe in some two-back sets or maybe dispel Colin Hill a little bit. So definitely expect uh, Marks to have a big year as well. I know you can read a lot of Mississippi State practice reports that will uh, get you kind of hyped and excited for the game against LSU and just the whole season in general. Uh, that being said, how confident are you in Mississippi State this week against LSU's CBS game of the week? Um, a lot of great practice sports for Mississippi State. A lot of players opting out from LSU. LSU seems a little bit um, overranked, maybe, to me, at six or overhyped just because of what they did last year and they lost so, mu- so much from last year, plus so many uh, key players were opting out, like Jamar Chase and a couple other receivers, I think. Uh, what where do you stand watching this game as a fan and as an ob- objective slow smoke analyst here? Well, I mean, I'm. It's not really been a secret. I've been kind of down on LSU, um, pretty much this whole offseason. I mean, you, they lost so much, um, including a number one overall pick, quarterback, and Heisman Trophy winner. You know, not to mention both coordinators. And I mean, I know they returned Ensminger, but it's not the same. I mean, Joe Brady is really what made that offense go. He's, you know, the one that came in and revolutionized the offense. And, I mean, I, I think that they'll still, you know, keep some of the same concepts. But, you know, it's just everyone's had a whole offseason to kind of adjust to what they were doing. You know, they they lose – I think they only return like five starters off their team. And it's just, you know, I, I still expect them to be good this year, but I don't expect them to be great. Uh, that being said, I, I – Definitely don't feel, like, great about Mississippi State, like, pulling the upset just because I'm not sure that they're quite good enough in year one under Mike Leach to, um, you know, to take advantage of all that LSU lost. But, um, you know, I, I saw a pretty good um, uh, article yesterday basically talking about, um, you know, comparing the recruiting rankings between LSU and uh, Mississippi State and um, as far as, like, the starters go. And it's actually pretty even. Um, you'd be surprised. Um, it's actually pretty even other than the secondary. LSU has a huge advantage in the secondary. And I think both teams are going to try to throw the ball. And I think LSU um, is just better at the skill positions. So uh, that's why I'm going to go with, you know, I mean, I guess we're not going to make our picks yet, but you can. Yeah, so I kind of I know what you're, you're saying. But um, we'll, we'll, we will save the suspense for the pick uh, for later in this show. Um let me think if there's any other SEC games. We talked about Florida Ole Miss a little bit. We kind of already did. Um, I think that's kind of all of the major SEC games I want to talk about for now. Uh, JB, non-conference, what, what stands out at you? Um, I, I, you know, in the preseason, you know, I was really looking at Florida State Miami. Like, I've always enjoyed that rivalry. Uh, you know, two top-notch Florida schools that compete for the same recruits and – I've always had some of the best games that we've had, you know, like in the past, you know, 20 years. But, of course, we saw Florida State lay an egg a couple of weeks ago. 
Uh, of course, sorry, you hear that? Uh, we have our little puppy and uh, adult in the background, as you can hear. Uh, but the puppy finally lost the battle. But, you know, the thing is about Florida State, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they laid an egg against Georgia Tech. And, you know, that definitely takes a little bit off this game. And at the same time, Miami has looked extraordinary, uh, especially this last weekend. I mean, Derek King just looks, you know, amazing. This offense just looks, you know, like unlike any offense that we've seen in Miami in a long time. And their defense is stout, too. So, I mean, Miami, they might be for real. I mean, they might be the uh, second best team in the ACC. They look legit. That is hard for me to think about for Miami. I know they um, had a good year, whatever it was, a couple years ago when they were when they had to play like that college game day game against Notre Dame. That was a fun year with the turnover chain and everything. But um, Miami hasn't been like completely back, which is another school that always says that is Texas and Texas playing Texas Tech. I know that game kind of stands out to me. Um, what really stands out to me, I don't know if you all noticed it yet, but at the – 3.30, 2.30 Central time slot. There are a lot of good games. You have Mississippi State, LSU on CBS, Texas, Texas Tech on Fox, Army and Cincinnati on ESPN, which I think is going to be a good game. Um, I mean, I don't know if you can really count, like, the ranked teams. Like, Cincinnati's number 14, but they would be maybe barely top 25 in a uh, full, complete poll. But also West Virginia and Oklahoma State at 3.30 on ABC. I think a lot of those – uh, those are all good games right at 3.30, right in the time slot. So you are going to have some tough decisions to make with two, maybe three TVs. I mean, you, you did the right thing getting a lot of TVs, but you might need four total TVs to cover all these games. Uh, 2.30, I mean, the SEC game of the week will definitely be the main TV, but you are right. Uh, the second game is going to be a tough one to choose from. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any other games. NC State, Virginia Tech might be interesting. Uh, obviously, Notre Dame and Wake Forest got postponed, but that probably wouldn't have been a good game either, anyway with Wake Forest not winning yet. So, I think that's all the non-conference games. Anything else you all want to talk about before we get into our picks? Uh, you know, I think I'm set. I think – I can't speak for Holt though, but as far as I'm concerned, uh, I'm more I'm excited to get into our picks. Okay, so we'll go through every SEC games. The ones that are obvious, we'll probably just do the line as opposed to who's going to win it outright. That's just kind of an easy, easy answer that Georgia can be Arkansas, but the line will be more interesting to talk about. So do that. So starting in order by time, uh, Florida and Ole Miss. Um, I think this is probably an easy Florida win. But uh, the line is 14. So I guess if you don't think Florida is going to win, then let me know. But otherwise, just pick against the 14-point line. Start with you, JB. Yeah, I'm going with uh, Ole Miss to cover here. Not picking Ole Miss to win. but That I'm... was a close one. I, I thought you were just going Ole Miss straight up. No, no. I'm going with Ole Miss to cover the 14-point spread. Florida still wins, but less than 14. Nice. Hold what you got. Um, I got Florida to cover the 14 points, uh, so I'm going to go against JB on this one, uh, mainly because Ole Miss hasn't had, um, you know, this continuity that Florida's had, coach coming in this year, and um, I think that really benefits Florida um, to have some continuity uh, from last year um, so that they really, you know, they're, they're all on the same page, so to speak. I think 
a little bit more work in progress, and they're going to get better as the season goes on. But I like Florida early in the season. To- yeah, I'm surprised you're picking Ole Miss to cover here, JB, with how high some people have ranked Florida this year. Some people are saying like they're going to beat Georgia. And yeah, uh, my main reason is that uh, Dan Mullen's teams and openers don't always look the most impressive in their first game. And, uh, you know, this game's at all in Oxford. Uh, they're wearing their icy light blues for the first time. It's going to be kind of cool to see that. I think uh, that's going to give, like, Ole Miss an adrenaline edge in the beginning. And I, and I just think that Ole Miss is going to be able to uh, put some points up in this first game. And it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I think Florida is the favorite in the East. I wouldn't be surprised to see Ole Miss, you know, keep this close for a while. Stay with you, JB, here for Kentucky and Auburn, your game of the week, that can, so we can finally have the uh, suspense relieved here. Yeah, my suspense is that, you know, Auburn is a seven-and-a-half favorite. I've got Kentucky covering the seven-and-a-half and winning straight up. Yeah, that, yeah, that's why I didn't ask for the line, because I, I thought it would be more of a um, – toss up in terms of who wins so Kentucky wins because the turnover at Auburn yeah that's the main thing for me is the line of scrimmage matchup and I and you know I've always said this on this on this podcast that line of scrimmage play wins but wins the games in the SEC Kentucky's got the advantage there especially opening weekend I like this uh, Kentucky Wildcat team to uh, get the first major upset of the season in the SEC you know, uh, to me, that that is bold. But uh, if you really think about it, Kentucky is a lot better than a lot of people expect. So um, it's not Super Bowl, but to me, it's a little little on the bold side. Oh, are you going to make it two and zero, Kentucky here? Uh, no, I got to keep the the Kentucky disrespect up a little. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, I, a lot of people have been really high on Kentucky this year, and I mean that's good. I mean, I, I'm you know happy for them. Um, obviously, they lose Lynn Bowden, um, but they got some really good linemen. Uh, I do think that they have an advantage um, in that regard. Uh, but really, to me, this game is going to come down to Auburn's run defense. Um, obviously, you know, Big Cat is back. Um, and then the linebacker, whose name I can't pronounce, Owen something, uh, former five-star linebacker from Georgia, um, really good player. And um, I think they're going to be able to slow down Kentucky's offense just enough. Um, but I think Bo Nix is going to have a big game. I think he takes a step forward this year, and they're really explosive at receiver. Auburn is, um, you know, I I like Kentucky, but I don't love them. Um, I think that this is a really good game, a really low scoring game. But uh, I think Auburn's able to hit a few big plays in this game, and that's the difference. I like Auburn uh, to win, but not cover. I like Kentucky to cover. But uh, I'm going to go with Auburn to win the game. Do you think Auburn gets lucky in the fourth quarter and comes out with a um, trick play or something, some kind of weird way to win this game? Yeah, like, I don't know. Pro- probably, like, Kentucky will score, like, a game-winning touchdown and then they'll have, like, 12 men on the field or something. <laughs> yeah, that would uh, not be ideal situation to win or lose. Uh, so, okay, so we have one Auburn, one Kentucky. That'll be – we'll see how that plays out. Next game up, Cole, it's all you. Mississippi State, LSU. Um, I know you're not high on LSU, and you like the practice reports for Mississippi State. So, break down this game for me, and you're a winner. The line's six and a half. You want to pick that, but I feel like it's more important to pick this game. Yeah, I mean, you know, just like I, I was saying earlier, I think uh, both teams are going to want to throw the ball here, especially, you know, if, if LSU is smart, they're going to come out throwing the ball. Um, being aggressive, state secondary is probably the weakest part of the team. And LSU, even with all the guys they lost, Stingley on the back end, uh, Jacoby Stevens on the back end, um, 
not as much depth in the secondary, but still have some real power. Uh, so LSU's got the advantage of the skill positions, and I think both teams are going to be throwing the ball. Obviously, Mississippi State is probably going to be throwing the ball almost every play, which is going to be really weird for me. Uh, definitely not used to that at all. Um, but uh, I'm going to go with LSU to win the game, but I, I will go with Mississippi State to cover. Um, you know, I maybe more hope than anything, but uh, the line seems a little bit big for me with everything that LSU lost and so many new players coming in. And Miles Brennan, um, you know, hasn't really played that well uh, when he's been on the field. You know, obviously it's a very small sample size, uh, but not not very good numbers at all. Um, you know, he was highly recruited, but, you know, Mississippi State and Ole Miss really didn't recruit him that much, even though he is from Mississippi. Um, you know, so I don't know if he's got a chip on his shoulder about that or, or what, but, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens. Um, but I think LSU gets off to and uh, they come up with the win, but closer than closer than a sixteen and a half. JB, yeah, I won't elaborate. You know as much as Holt did, but this line to me is maybe just about right. I would probably lower it just a little bit, you know, in, in Mississippi State's favor. But I've got LSU uh, covering the line. I think in the in the late in the second half, they're able to get a couple more, another score to to uh, push it over that threshold. Unlike me and Holt, you're actually pretty high on LSU still, right? I mean, I'm not as high maybe as I was a month ago, but I I, I do think that uh, they're almost in the point where they can just reload. I mean, I mean, I, I expect their offense, you know, to retain a lot of the same concepts that Joe Brady had. I mean, Ensminger was the ultimate game center last year, and he was the uh, play caller. And, I mean, they're going to run a lot of the same concepts and plays from last season. Uh, it's it's a lot of continuity in that aspect. I think their offense won't, obviously won't put up as much, you know, numbers as far as yards and points are concerned, but it's still going to be better than the offenses we've seen, you know, in the past. Defensively, I mean, I'm excited to see Bo Pelini back in the SEC too, see his fire. <laughs> I mean, I, I, think, I think LSU is going to surprise people as far as, like, not being as bad and as far as having as far much of a drop-off as people are expecting. The Bo Pelini Twitter account has got to be, like, one of the top, like, five college football accounts, I think. I think it's yeah. awesome. All right, next three games are the blowout games, so we won't elaborate too much. I'm probably alternating between uh, Holt and Debbie here for the lines only because we know we know who we think is going to win, so we'll just pick the line. Start with Georgia-Arkansas. Hold the line is 26-and-a-half. What do you got for me? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take Georgia to cover. Um you know, it's it's a lot, and I do expect Arkansas to show some life in this game. But um, that, you know, it's just these two teams are just on different planets right now, and um, I just think Georgia on talent alone is gonna is gonna be able to cover that spread. Alabama, Missouri, JB, twenty seven point favorite for Alabama. Yeah, I've got Alabama covering that twenty seven point spread. I, mean, I think we're both are all on the same page. You never bet against Alabama ridiculous spread lines. Yeah, you really don't. And I mean, Alabama is just, I mean, it's hard. Yeah, like you said, it's hard to bet against them. And I mean, I really like Alabama's uh, defense this year. I mean, offensively, it seems like they're going back to the Greg Roy, AJ McCarron days by naming uh, Mac Jones as a starter. I mean, he's more similar to them than he is, you know, like a two attack of Iloa, Jalen Hurts type. And I mean, they're going to just really use a power run, I think, with Najee Harris, like relying on him and just controlling the line of scrimmage. A&M, Vanderbilt, whole 31-point favorite for A&M. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to roll with it. Um, I don't expect Maribel to score. So, I think Texas A&M is probably going to win something like 42 to nothing or 42. <laughs> God, that is going to be so defeating. Um, so, we're all picking the the favorites to cover. None, none of us are picking the underdogs to uh, cover there. So, interesting tidbit. We'll see if uh, Vanderbilt can score more than three points on A&M Hulk. Uh, maybe uh, Kentucky fans should be happier that like you don't shit on uh, them as much as you do do Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean I pick Kentucky to win more than Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and Missouri. So almost combined. Yeah. So yeah, uh, the last game which Debbie thinks I forgot, which I did not. It's just the last game on my list here is Tennessee, South Carolina. Um, three and a half point favorite, and uh, this one I think is a true toss up because um, it is at South Carolina. Even though it's only twenty five percent fans or twenty five thousand, whatever it is, there's still gonna be some fans that are gonna be pretty loud. Uh, probably some Tennessee fans there too, JB. Yeah, I mean, I think Williams Bryce Stadium holds eighty three thousand, but I don't really feel like doing the twenty five percent math of eighty three. Uh, you can do the uh, proportion. Know, thing if you want to do that yourself <laughs> over you cross multiply jb yeah the cross <laughs> i don't feel like doing that right now uh all i want to do is talk football that's what this podcast is about uh but yes yeah, Carolina being a three and a half point favorite and i am uh, uh tennessee's three and a half point favorite. i'm sorry why did i say that i mean yeah tennessee's a three and a half point favorite i mean tennessee i mean i think the talent wise you know between south carolina and tennessee is about even but I think as far as, like, the complete team and having more confidence, I mean, I'm definitely more confident in Tennessee uh, than I am in South Carolina. I mean, I think Tennessee's defense is a good matchup, you know. Or, sorry, I mean, South Carolina's offense. Gotcha, JB. No, don't stop me. Just let me <laughs> catch my But I think Tennessee's match, Tennessee's defense matches up pretty well. <laughs> I think that uh, they're going to be able to uh, – really contain the South Carolina attack. I'm not very confident in their offense. And I, I do think Tennessee's offense is better than Carolina's offense. And I think their defense is better, too. I think that uh, Tennessee does cover the three-and-a-half-point spread. I think they win somewhere like maybe in the 10, 10 to 14-point. Uh, uh, not a blowout, but, uh, you know, I think Tennessee will uh, take control of the game maybe late in the third quarter or fourth quarter and ultimately win the spread. Okay. Uh, JB, do you think you'll get less pissed off at Garantano this year as opposed to last year? Um, I th- actually think if he plays, you know, as bad as last year, pissed off because he's had an offseason to, you know, to get rid of the kinks that he's had that gave him issues last year. He's going to have a really good offensive line playing that he'll be playing behind. That should give him more time to process the decisions that he has to make. That was one of his biggest problems was reading a defense and making proper decisions. And I think he's going to have a short lead. If he had, if he struggles out of the gate, he's going to get benched because you know he's a fifth-year senior, and they got you know some talented you know young guys behind him that are going to be eager to play. And I think they're going to want to give those guys a chance. And I, I don't, I don't think he's going to have a long leash at all. I think it's going to be very short. Hold the line, or not the line. The over/under for this game is four to three and a half. And honestly, that actually might be a little too high for these two teams in the first week of the year. Yeah, I mean, just like JB was saying, I mean, and I said earlier, like, I just don't think South Carolina's offense is going to be able to do anything. So I expect it to be very low scoring. I, you know, take the under and I take Tennessee to cover. Usually, um, if you're taking the uh, favorite to cover, you're, you would also take the over. But it, I think this is going to be one of those rare exceptions where, um, you know, I just expect it to be pretty low scoring. 
but uh, I still like Tennessee to cover. Probably, you know, win right around 10 to 14 points. Um, and then, you know, I, just like I said, I don't expect South Carolina to put up very many points at all. Yeah, like my final score, I mean, if I had to give you a final score, my final score would be 20 to 6. So, nothing really exciting. No. I mean, you. I know you'll watch like every minute of the game, JB, but, man, that's going to be tough for like a – a third party, like what? it's. I'll watch yeah. it because, like, or I would if I wasn't going to a wedding. Um, I would watch it too, just because I'd be interested to see how the two teams play. But like, yeah. it's it's not gonna be a fun game to watch, right? And, and if there's anybody that deserves to have a good game to start the season, and to have Jared Garantano, he's been through a lot. Uh, he's had fans turn against him. He's been benched multiple times. Uh, he's played for, I think, three or four offensive coordinators. Uh, but there's not really hardly anybody, you know, around the conference or in the country that deserves to, you know, for his loyalty to pay off and have a Garantano. You could argue the same for Will Muschamp, though, because he's gone up and down. I guess he's gotten big ones. So that's, like, the only difference is that they beat Georgia last year, so, like, he can ride his hat on that once he gets his buyout after this year. All right, and he's also getting paid, like, what, $4 million a year? So, like, it's, yeah. it's a little different. You're getting paid $4 million a year to suck. Even if Muschamp, you know, ever were to get fired from South Carolina, he's going to find a job, you know, elsewhere. He can go to a lower, you know, non-Power 5 job if he wants to be a head coach, or he can be a uh, defensive coordinator in the Power 5 conference, especially in the SEC. I guarantee there's plenty of SEC programs that would bring him on as a defensive coordinator immediately. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we got a few non-conference games we want to pick. Um, JB hand-selected these, but these are, to his point, uh, to give them credit, they're probably the best non-conference games of the week. So, start with Florida State, Miami. JB, I'll let you have that one. Yeah, so uh, I'm trying to remember what the line was in that game. Uh, it's 14. 11 points for Miami. Yeah, 11-point favor for Miami. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with uh, Miami to uh, to cover that. I mean, I, I I did not really like what I saw from Florida State in the first week. Uh, Mike Norvell is not going to be able to coach in this quarterback game. Quarterback plays bad, man. Yeah, quarterback plays bad with Blackman. You know, maybe Mike Norvell, you know, could, you know, do something, pull some kind of stunt like Hugh Freeze and maybe try to coach this game from the phone or from oh, Zoom. I forgot. I forgot he's not coaching, yeah. Yeah, he maybe can try to do coach from Zoom or from the phone. I mean, you can't catch COVID through phone lines or through the internet, so he could maybe try to do that and have some input to the game and just – Maybe you can put them on the phone through the headsets, you know. Did y'all uh, did y'all see like the Mississippi high school coach that like got on like the like forklift to co- coach a game? I did not. That's yeah, really funny. Yeah, I saw that. yeah, they said like only Mississippi or something like that was like the tweet caption. It's like no, you have no problem like with COVID comes no problem. I'll just get like get a forklift or whatever it was to like lift him up like well above the field where he's still coaching. But the game's still going on. He's just, like, in the background. It's very similar to, like, Hugh Freeze in the hospital bed or <laughs> coaching from the booth. The things that coaches do, to you know, to have to be there. I mean, I, I, I'm i just saying, like, I'm just throwing that idea out there. Maybe Mike Norvell can do something like that in order to – um, I would feel really bad if I was, like, the assistant coach or, like, the next coach in line because, like, it means you basically have no confidence in him. Yeah. Same time. This, He's a new coach. So the the wins and losses are going on Mike Norvell's uh, record. So yeah, Norvell's first season, like he he he's got to be there. Like you can't put this in the hands of your assistants, especially yeah. he didn't even take a lot of it. I don't think he took a ton of his assistants from Memphis with him. Uh, no, he did. Like they made a joke because like it was like a shit ton. Like he he uh-huh. has um 
not Chip Long, but the other guy that was like Auburn's offensive coordinator last year, but he didn't call plays. Um, he's it's like a young guy, but he he coached him with him at Memphis before Auburn. But um, yeah, they took he actually took a lot of guys from Memphis. But anyway, all right. So you're picking Miami to win and cover. Oh, do you want to call that game, or you just want to move on to the next game and let you call the Army Cincy game all by yourself? Yeah, I mean, I would just go with with uh, Miami. They have all the momentum right now, and I have no faith in Florida State at all. Miami is fun to watch there. Or at least the uh, King is fun to watch as a quarterback. I will say that. All right. Yeah. That, the offense, I think, is a good fit for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Miami's kicker. Miami's kicker has been money. As it, I mean, you can't you can't get that in college. He hit a couple bombs last week. Um, so it's uh, it's good to see. You know, I'm not really a super big fan of Manny Diaz, but um, it's nice to see Miami at least be halfway decent. Yeah, and it's always big when you can trust your college kicker. That's uh, not the case for a lot of a lot of teams. Next game up hold is Army and Cincinnati. Uh, the line, believe it or not, is Cincinnati thirteen and a half. Um, do you think Cincinnati has the best uh, defense in the uh, group of fives? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably a pretty safe bet. I mean, obviously, Luke Fickle uh, built a really solid program there. Uh, they can't quite get over the hump and beat Memphis. Uh, their year to uh, to do that. Um, but uh, this this should be a really exciting game. Um, you know, definitely something to keep an eye on uh, throughout the day. Um, Cincinnati is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, that's a little big for me. Um, I think Army, you know, they, they just find a way to move the ball uh, no matter who they're facing. Um, so I do expect Army to cover that, but it uh, be a really exciting game, and I do expect Cincinnati to get the win, though. You know, uh, who was I saying? who's the Army's coach again, Holt? Uh, Jeff Munkin. Yeah, I would – is he related to Todd Munkin? Yeah, they're brothers. Okay, that's what I was wondering. I was going to say um, he could go undefeated this year. I still don't think, like, people would consider him for, like, a major job just because the offense they run. No, he talked to Mississippi State last year um, when they had the job opening. Cohen was actually interested. In I don't know, like, how legit it was. Um, I never really felt like it got to the point where he was, like, close to getting the job or anything. But, uh, you know, it, w- it would be really cool to see him in the SEC somewhere. Maybe, like, Vanderbilt could hire him or something like that. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think that would be a really good spot for him. And, uh, you know, the other thing, too, is, um, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of these triple option coaches, they can run other offenses as well. Um, and they can run some option stuff out of, like, spread concepts. And, you know, like, they, like they, they know that you can throw the ball. It's just that, you know, the with the personnel they have, it's just way more sense for them to just run the ball every play. Who is it? It's uh, Georgia Southern that does that, like, option from the shotgun. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, that's that's the Willie Fritz offense that Tulane runs that I'm, re- I'm a really big fan of, even though they blew that lead against maybe last week. That was tough. That was tough. So that was see. really fun. Tulane's quarterback uh, definitely has some accuracy issues. Um, he may be able to run the ball a little bit, but he uh, – Man, he's not the most accurate passer, um, to say the least. And uh, that was that was tough to watch. Uh, it's tough to watch him blow that lead. Debbie, do you want to elaborate on the Army Sensu game real quick? Uh, I mean, Holt did a pretty good job here. But, I mean, I, I think the way that Army plays, you know, they're going to be able to uh, keep Cincinnati's defense off on the field a lot because the way that offense sets up, they're going to get a lot of three- or four-yard plays, long, sustained drives. And I think 13 points – really generous in favor of Cincinnati, even though I, I do like the Cincinnati team a lot. 
But Army, I think, is going to be, like, the best of the triple option type teams this year. I mean, last year it was Navy. I think this year Army is. And I, I think this game's closer than 13. I've got Army. But, I, but Cincinnati wins, but Army will cover. Yeah, maybe the logic in the line is that Cincinnati's defense is really good. So, like, well, if you can stop the option defensively, then, like, they have basically no chance. Um, so maybe that's the, the logic in Vegas line. We'll see see how it plays out. Next game up and last game is Texas, Texas Tech. Um, JB, is Texas back after this game, or we're going to have to wait a little bit longer? Texas is not back. <laughs> Weekly question. Yeah, but they're going to win by more than 18. So, I mean, people are going to be saying they're back. I'm Oh, it's so annoying. That is so annoying. I am still want to wait and see. I mean, we heard that. You know, when they beat Georgia, an unmotivated Georgia team in the in sure, a, sure. Bowl a couple of years ago, I'm still on wait-and-see mode, you know, wait-and-see, especially with Todd Herman. I am not the wait-and-see train. Yes, the wait. <laughs> it's my favorite train. It is. <laughs> the wait. <laughs> not moved? Is it just a It is. No. <laughs> We're waiting to see what's going to transpire. <laughs> Cargo we get, you know, and if it's going to be good cargo or bad cargo. So, yeah. but, but you know, do you switch trains or if you want to get on? Oh, it's the same train. But I, that's where I am with uh, Tech Todd Herman. I need to see a lot more. I mean, if you had to ask me which program I think is going to succeed in a few years between Texas and Todd Herman or Nebraska and Scott Frost, I would rather have Scott Frost between the two. Are you calling him Todd Herman and his name Tom Herman? That's why, like, a lot of times, because, like, I don't know the players and coaches as well as y'all do. I know pretty good for a lot of people, but obviously not up to y'all's nerd stat, uh, stat status. But so I just – I say last names a lot just because I don't want to embarrass myself and get the name wrong, which I do a lot of times. Um, all right, so you have um, Texas winning this game. Holt, what do you have to add? What also I want to know – about is Cliff Kingsbury considered a good coach Holt now? I know this is NFL now, but just curious because he is Texas Tech related and he has 2 0 Cardinals team now with um, Kyler Murray. Yeah, well, the good thing is uh, in the NFL, it's a lot easier to get defensive talent. Um, <laughs> yeah. Texas. Yeah. Um, you know, their offense has been pretty explosive. Kyler Murray looks like unbelievable. I'm like so surprised. Uh, he's so small, but he's so fast and got such a strong arm. It's so fun to watch. Just waiting on him to just get blindsided and just broken in half, hundred fifty pound linebacker. Like I mean, he's just like he. I mean, I'm not trying to be like rude or anything, but like he just he looks like a little you know just a little dude. Like I don't even know. Like he he looks like a like a kid playing in like the NBA or something. Like like me playing in the NBA basically. Yeah, it looks like the short kid playing pickup basketball in sixth grade. You know, the one that hasn't hit like any kind of a growth spur yet. And everyone he's playing against is like a foot taller. But okay, that's that's unfair. You hit your growth spurt in like third grade, and like you were like already shaving in like fifth. <laughs> he's uh he's just like uh, uh, he's just so small. Like I just don't get like how he's able to be so good. I mean, maybe it's hard. It's hard. He's hard to tackle because he's so small. Maybe that's some. Yeah, some I definitely think the defense, like the linebackers and DBs, definitely lose them behind the offensive line. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's like Trinidad Holiday. I remember they used to do like that play for LSU where like you would hide behind the offensive lineman and just run like really fast once everybody leaves. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. I mean you can't see him. He's like five foot seven. Yeah. All right. So um do you I know I know we know a little bit about Texas Holder. We know about Tom Herman and Texas teams. Do you know anything about Texas Tech this year? 
Um, I know they gave up 600 uh, yards to Houston Baptist uh, like a week or two ago. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at that now. They only won by two. How in the world is that possible? Yeah, they uh, they Houston Baptist did not get a two point conversion at the end of the game, but uh, man, yeah, I don't know. Um, I didn't actually watch any of that game. Full disclosure, uh, but I did hear that he apparently Houston Baptist quarterback is actually pretty good. Um, so I I don't know about all that, but either way, Texas did not look good, and uh, I didn't expect Texas to to beat them pretty good. All right, so we'll see how it all plays out. Excited for week one. Um, JB's, JB and Holes, I mean, like, we're going to, like, y'all going to get some good night's sleep on Friday so you can wake up early. There is game day still uh, Saturday morning. So, y'all, like, wake up early or wake up in time to watch the game day? Um, I'm, I probably will. Um, I'm probably I, – I like to record it, though, so I can skip the commercials. So, I'm usually, like – you know, 45 minutes to an hour behind like everybody else. And then I usually catch up like right in time for the picks. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to get up pretty early on Saturday because I want to go uh, yeah. McDonald's on the way home. So, McDonald's, I haven't had any in forever. Can't stop the workout. So, yeah. So, that's exactly right. I mean, you got to. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Got, uh, calories out, calories back in. I mean, well, at least you'll, you'll feel good about eating McDonald's. Like, hey, I um, this is actually neutral now. Yeah, uh, you might have to bring me a pancake and sauce. Do y'all um, do y'all feel bad for Corso on game day? Like it's like I feel like they just won't give him up because he's yeah. like a legend. On- I, okay. We we in that like or at least I've been saying that for like seems like five years now. Like I mean, like I mean I I know why they have him on there and like it's it's cool that they keep him around. But I mean, you know, it's, it's it is painful to watch. I mean, he's he's definitely struggling. Yeah, and he's not even there. Obviously, because like COVID, but like I mean, they they made it fun this year with him, like at his in his backyard and like hanging out in the pool and like with all the mascots. Like honestly, like I'm a little jealous. Like he's got it set up pretty well. Like he's just getting paid once a week to like hang out in his backyard and film him talk about college football. Like that doesn't get much better or easier than that. No, that's gonna be us one day. Yeah, I mean we're 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 starting where he started off, but like we're we're ahead of the game because we're a little bit younger than him. Yeah, that's right. I could definitely picture JB um, in the back filming uh, the SEC Slow Smoked uh, podcast. Yeah, I, like a like a Zoom call by then. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. It might be. I don't know what that. Uh, what's going to look like in twenty years when our when our time comes? But it'll be it'll be gr- great. And uh, JB will probably be in the backyard for sure. I can see that as well. Uh, any final words? Famous final words? Last words before we cut it and prepare for week one of sec football we made it we made it we made it gotta hold a breath till saturday i still don't feel comfortable yeah. until the kickoff hold happens breath because i wouldn't be surprised if one of the seven sec games gets postponed i mean it just seems like that's the trend with a lot of games and conferences like at least one game i just hope it's you know not one of the bigger games if there's a game i want postponed it'd be vanderbilt and AM because we know that game poor vanderbilt they don't need to play it <laughs> yeah all right guys thanks for listening and make sure to follow us on twitter and subscribe to our podcast at sec slow smoke see ya thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the sec slow smoke podcast Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. 
Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend, because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.